Psychologists tell us that any time that we're confronted or there's something that's hostile that's right there before us, our natural reaction is either to fight or we flight or we freeze. I wonder if you know which one it is for you. Do you fight? Do you, do you flee from the situation, flight, or, or do you just sort of freeze in your tracks? I, I know what my natural instinct is. I'll never forget it. it was in the third grade. I had this little boy. His name was Victor Cassidy, and he was bullying me every single day. Finally, my dad said, you don't have to do anything, or you don't have to put up with it anymore. You can do whatever you want about it. And so I'll never forget, it was third grade picture day. And if you remember back in the day when it was picture day, they gave all the boys a little black plastic comb about yay big or so. Remember that? And so you're supposed to be using it to do your hair. But Victor Cassidy came up behind me in the line. He took the thing and he snapped it right on the back of my neck. Let's just say Victor Cassidy didn't get his picture taken that day because I turned around and boom, nailed him. His glasses went flying. He was out cold. Now, two things you need to know about this story. Number one, I didn't get in trouble. My dad did. The principal called and chewed my dad out for giving me permission to punch Victor Cassidy. <laughs> but then the other thing that I discovered on that day was that my natural reaction, not flight, not freeze, but to fight. And I learned in that moment that physical aggression, verbal aggression could get me very, very far until I became a follower of Jesus. And then that's when I discovered that there's a better way. Anytime somebody's being hostile towards you, anytime that there's aggression towards you, there's conflict of any sort. Jesus has the better way. And that's what I want to talk to you about today as we continue our series called Thriving in Exile, where we've been learning what do we do in a nation now where it seems like people are becoming more and more hostile towards us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. And so we've been looking at this great letter that the Apostle Peter, he, he writes to a, a group of churches throughout modern-day Turkey, and he gives them sort of a, a strategy for what do you do when it seems like you're in exile right there in your very own land. And so we're going to continue to, to talk about this because as I've been mentioning, one of the things I don't like that I'm seeing amongst Christians is the reaction is to do what I used to do, that we want to fight, that we want to have hate with people who are hating us. And we can't do that. You can't fight hate with hate. We can't fight violence with violence, aggression with aggression. We've got to do Jesus' way. And here's the thing, even with Christians that I see them, especially online, that they're being like even respectful like to the, the person that they're baiting with. What I often see as Christians that they're not very respectful to people who are in leadership. That yes, you're, you're being nice to the person that you're debating with, but you're like bashing everybody and anybody. I mean, we're, we're just like that anymore. And so here's what I want you to understand. According to Scripture, we are to obey and respect our leaders. And so if you were one of those people that when President Trump was the president, you were calling him the, the great orange menace. Or if you're one of those people that today, as a follower of Jesus, are saying, F Joe Biden, or let's go Brandon, or you're picking on him about his age, that is wrong. Again, we are not only to obey our leaders, we are to respect our leaders as well. And that's what Peter is going to talk about here today. Let me remind you of something I said back in week one of this series. Our job is not to save a nation. Our job is to join Jesus in saving souls for Jesus. That's what we're here for. We're not here to win an argument. 
We're not here to win a cultural war. We are here to win souls for Jesus and then help people to grow to become disciples who can make disciples who can make disciples. Now, I teased something to you back in week one because you wanted to know, well, is there ever a time that I should stand up for myself? Is there any, any moment that we say, you know, th this isn't right? Well, that's what we're going to talk about here today. What do you do when you're attacked? Especially if you're attacked by the person that's in leadership over you. Whether it's a government leader, your boss, you know, your, your parents, a teacher, whoever it is. What do you do when you're attacked? So if you got a Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. That's where we're going to start at today. 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online with us. Right now, you notice in the upper right-hand corner there of your screen, there is a little button there called Talk Notes. You push that, that's going to take you to all the scriptures I'm going to look at today, as well as the points I'll be making. For those of you who are here in the room, welcome to you as well. If you go to your smartphone and your tablet, you can go to exponential.church. You can access all the Talk Notes there as well. Now, as you continue to turn, let me tell you this. Nobody's going to be happy with me by the end of today's message. Initially, everything that Peter is going to write and everything that I'm going to share with you here, you are going to want to push back. You're going to go, no, 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 that, that, doesn't, that doesn't work. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Listen to the entire message before you tune me out or before you discount the words that Peter has to say here. Listen to everything. Don't just jump to conclusions. With all that said, how do you react when you're attacked? One word. Submission. You go, what? Submission? No, 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 stop, stop. Remember I said, don't react right away. Wait to the very end of the message. Then make your determination what you're going to do with what it is that Peter has to say here. How do you react when you're attacked? You have got to submit. And I'm not even necessarily talking about submitting to the person who's attacking you, but we do need to submit to all the authorities who are over us. So let's jump right in to find out how do we get in alignment with God's Word and God's will. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 14. Peter writes this. For the Lord's sake, submit to who? Submit to how many? How many? Type it in in the chat. How many people are you supposed to submit to? All authorities. All human authorities. Whether the king is the head of the state or the officials that he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. Now, Peter's not the only one that talks about this. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 13 and Ephesians chapter 5, he writes about this as well, that we are to submit to all authorities because all authority has been placed there by God. I'm talking your boss has been placed over you for a reason, by God. Your president right now is President Biden. He is your president and he has been placed there by God. When Trump was the president, he was placed there by God. All human authority. Children, young adults, your parents are your parents and we're given authority over you for a reason because God gave that authority to them. Now, here's not a popular one. Wives, you are to submit to your husbands. Now, ooh, you can't say that. But remember, wait to the end of the message. I'm going to explain it 
a little bit later of why Paul writes that. All human authority has been placed there for a reason. And so what I'm trying to get you to see here is that both Peter and Paul, these two men who started this this thing that Jesus had established, this thing called the ecclesia, the, the church, this movement of people who are on a mission to make disciples who make disciples, they have been talking about this over and over and over again and in Scripture frequently and passionately that we are to not fight, but we are to submit to all human authority that's been placed over us according to God's Word. Now, what does that word submit mean? Well, here's what's pretty interesting. In the Greek, it is the word that is a a military term. And what it has to do with is where are you placed in the, the rank, in the order of things. That all authority has been placed there so that there's alignment and, and so that there's a, a, a cohesion that makes things better. So let's think about it like from, from an army standpoint. Does, just because somebody's a general doesn't mean that they have more value in life or that they're a better person than a private. No, the the general is there to, to lead the troops. Again, you, you have the ranks so that there's order, there's alignment, so that together they can fulfill the mission that they've been called to do. The same thing in a business with an org chart. There's a reason that there's an org chart there that everybody just doesn't get to do what everybody wants to do. The org chart is there and there's leaders in that organization so that there's alignment of purpose so that you can fulfill the mission that you're called to do. And what we need to understand is that as followers of Jesus, there is an org chart. There is a a submission that we're supposed to have to the leaders over us because God has a plan. And to fulfill his mission, we need to submit to the governing authorities. We need to submit to our boss. We need to submit to our parents or our teachers or whoever it is. Because God's plan is going to come together. Now, we don't always see it. It doesn't make sense to us. Why do I got to submit to this person right now? But for God's plan of making disciples who make disciples who make disciples, we've got to get in alignment with that. So let me make this really, really personal for you. At work, if you're not doing what your boss or your supervisor is instructing you to do, you are out of alignment, not just with your company and helping them to fulfill their mission. You're actually out of alignment with God Himself. Let me say that again. Anytime you are not submitting to your governing authorities, you're not out of alignment just with them or your company or your household. You're actually out of alignment with God's plan and God's mission for the whole world. Now, I know some of you are going, Gilbert, you haven't met my boss. I mean, he or she, they are not godly at all. But listen to me very, very carefully. I put it on your outline. It doesn't matter. Because God's leader doesn't have to be a godly leader to be God's leader. Say that again. Let that sink in. God's leader doesn't have to be a godly leader in order to be God's leader. We have example after example after example in Scripture of this. Whether it's Nebuchadnezzar, whether it's Pharaoh, whether it's Cyrus, over and over and over again, we see that these men who are not godly at all were actually appointed by God so that God's plans and God's purposes could be fulfilled. You're still going, okay, Gilbert, but that, that, that's the Bible. You really you need to meet my boss. 
Or, or Gilbert, don't you read the news? The, the, the clowns in Washington? We're really supposed to submit to them? The answer is yes. 100% of the time. Well, I shouldn't say 100% of the time. I'm going to give you the exception in just a little bit. Here's the thing. I don't know your boss. And listen, I don't always agree with what our mayor, our governor, our elected officials down in Washington, the president, I don't always agree with everything. But we are still called to submit and submit to their leadership. I don't care how ungodly they are. And here's why I say that. Let me tell you about who it was that was actually the leader, the, the emperor, the Caesar, at the time that Paul and Peter are writing that as followers of Jesus, we are to submit to the governing authorities. Let me tell you about him. You've probably heard of his name before. His name was Nero. How many of you ever heard of Nero before? You heard of him? Yeah. Nero was not a godly man at all. Nero was self-indulgent. He was a tyrant. He was living a life of extreme debauchery. Let me just say this. I'm not even going to share with you everything that he was into because this is a PG-13 uh, uh, worship experience. I know we got some kids in here today, and I want some parents to have to have some awkward conversations with their kids a little bit later. This guy was really, really bad. Remember Herod? You know, I've talked about Herod before. He was the one that was sort of ruling when Jesus was born. And I've shared with you some of the stories about how bad he was. Nero was worse. Let me give you just a couple of examples. Nero murdered his very own mother. Nero murdered his first wife. Why? Because he was having an affair with another woman, and so he wanted his wife gone. So he just offed her. However, his mistress, she becomes pregnant, and he doesn't want a child. And so what does he do? He puts her on the ground, and he starts to stomp on her to the point that she actually loses both the baby and loses her very own life. Those are just some of the murders that Nero committed. Let me give you something else that he did. He wasn't happy with the, the palace that he was living in there in Rome. He, he thought it was too small. He wanted a bigger palace. The other thing he wasn't happy about was that there was so many poor people that lived around the palace area. They were living sort of like in these apartment types of things. He didn't like it. He wanted them to all be gone so he could build this bigger palace. So you know what Nero does? He orders the burning of Rome. The, the very city that he lives in, he orders that it be burnt but it's sort of a secret order. He wants all the people, the poor people to die. He wants all their apartments to be done away with so he can build this bigger palace. He needs somebody to blame it on. You know who he blames it on? Christians. They were a new group of people. This, this new sort of cult, they thought, that it started. These people that were following these, this, this guy named Jesus. And the Romans weren't happy about it. So Nero... He blames all the Christians for it. He has them rounded up and he imprisons them. But then here's what he would do with them once they were in prison. Anytime he was having a big festival or a feast or like some of the outdoor games and the Colosseum and everything, he would take some of those Christians and he would bring them out. They would tie them up. They would tar them 
and then they would light them on fire so that they would be human torches to be able to keep the games and the festivities going in the evening. That's Nero. Nero is the guy who eventually arrests Peter. Eventually, he arrests Paul. Nero is the one who eventually executes both Peter and Paul. He has Paul beheaded, and Nero has uh, Peter crucified. I've told you that story before. The cre- uh, Peter actually he requested to be crucified upside down because he said, I don't deserve to die in the same way that Jesus did. That's Nero. So that's who Peter and Paul are, are talking about when they say, submit to the governing authorities. They're saying, submit to that guy. You're going, well, it doesn't sound like it worked out too well for them. One's beheaded, the other's crucified. In the short term, yes, it wouldn't appear that it did. But remember, God has a plan. God has a purpose. And so let me put it to you this way. Notice that today we name our dogs Nero and our kids Peter and Paul. Notice that the Roman Empire, which was so vast and so great in that day and time, doesn't exist anymore. But Christianity and the church that Peter and Paul helped to establish, it still exists to this day. In fact, where Peter was crucified, today you can visit that spot. It's called St. Peter's Basilica. It's right in the heart of the Vatican. Again, we are to submit to the governing authorities. We are to submit to people who are in leadership over us. Why? Because it's a part of God's plan. And we may not understand everything in the moment, but long term, it's going to happen in the way that God wants it to happen so that He can be glorified and He can be honored. And so let me repeat one more time. Our goal is not, is not to win an argument. Our goal is not to defeat an enemy. Our goal is not to win a cultural war. Our goal is to win all people, including our enemies, into a relationship with Jesus and then disciple them to be able to go out and do the same thing for others. Now here's the question. Some of you are going, isn't civil disobedience something that sometimes we need to do? And the answer to that is yes. In fact, there's some scriptural examples of it. In fact, one of them is actually Peter himself of not obeying the governing authorities. Peter was told at one point, he was like, don't preach about Jesus anymore. But Peter keeps on preaching Jesus, even though the leaders, the authorities said not to do it. Why? Very simple. There was a direct command from God that he was supposed to do that. It's called the Great Commission. Jesus himself said that We are to preach the gospel to all nations at all times. Why? So that we can make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And so here's the general principle. I put it on your outline. Anytime I have a direct command from God that is in contradiction to a command from my leader, I must always obey God. Does that make sense? Anytime we have a direct command from God that's in contradiction to what your boss your governor, your mayor, your president, your whoever, your parents, your spouse, whatever. If it's in direct contradiction to God's word, you always obey God's word first. Let me give you two other scriptural examples here. One is Daniel. Daniel refused to bow down and worship idols, which was what Nebuchadnezzar was telling him to do. Why? Well, because there was a direct command from God. It's actually in the Ten Commandments that thou shall not worship idols. 
and thou shalt not worship other gods. There's a direct command. So he said, no, 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 I cannot obey that. Another example of this would be then when uh, Moses was born. If you remember in that day and time, Pharaoh had told all the, the Jewish midwives that any male that is born, these Jewish boys, they need to immediately be murdered. And the Jewish midwives, they didn't murder the little boys, including Moses. Why? Because we're not supposed to murder. So, if it's in direct violation of a command of God, then you listen to God and not the leader. Now, notice I said it has to be a direct command of God. I'm not saying that, you know, you go, well, you know, I think it should be something different. You know, I don't like what my boss is doing. I don't like what the government's doing. So, my opinion is, no, 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 no. It isn't about your opinion. And I'm not even talking about that you can find your little pet verse and twist it to make it, like, make you not obey your leader. I'm saying it has to be a black and white scripture. Things like, thou shall not murder. Do not steal. Those types of things. Do this. Don't do that. Again, if your leader tells you to do it and it was black and white, you do what God says, not what your leader says. You're going, but I don't agree with like my boss and the strategy and the, the plan they have for the company right now. It doesn't matter what you think. Well, I don't like the, the policies that they're passing right now. It doesn't matter what you think. We are to submit to the governing authorities. You obey every single time because ultimately you're trusting that somehow all this is going to advance God's plan. You're going to go, I still don't understand. How is, this going to, how is it going to do that? Well, let me give you four things here this morning. First one is this. First, submitting silences my opposition. When you submit to the governing authorities, long-term, it is going to silence them. Here's what Peter writes. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Now, Peter, he's talking about this whole thing of submission in the middle of chapter 2. He's going to continue talking about this topic all the way into chapter 3, almost to the very end of it. And so it's just this one long thread, and he ends the thread with this. Because remember, the, the reason that we're submitting is that ultimately we want to help win people in a relationship with Jesus. Even those that are making accusations against us, even those that are our enemies, even those that are hostile towards us, the ultimate goal is you're trying to win them to Jesus. And so he writes this then at the end, 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16. He says, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people slander you, they will be ashamed for saying bad things about your good conduct as a follower of Christ. See, we win people to Jesus not through our clever arguments. We win them through our submission. We win people to Jesus because we are more like Jesus. We're acting like Jesus. But we live in a culture now where everybody has an opinion about everything. And that includes you. You have an opinion about everything. And we want to just spout it off and spout it off. I don't like this that the government's doing. I don't like this that my boss is doing. I don't like this that my parents are making me do. I don't like this that my teachers are doing. Whatever it is, we, we like to have this opinion. Here's what you need to understand. 
while your opinions may actually be right, by airing them, that can be the wrong strategy. Again, you could be absolutely right, but your words may be the wrong strategy. Let me explain why I say that. Think of words like a brick. Bricks are pretty easy to throw down, right? I mean, you, you can get a lot of force throwing a brick onto the ground. It has weight. Now take a brick and try to throw it up. You can, but it's much harder than throwing it down, isn't it? And see, that's what your words are like. Your words going down have weight. Going up, not so much. Parents, your words have a lot of weight with your kids going down, but not as much going up to your parents. If you're, say, a, a middle manager at the place where you work, your words have weight going down to those that, like, report to you, but your words don't have as much weight going up to your supervisor. Our words have weight. You're saying, does that mean I can never influence those that are above me to change and, and to do better? The answer is, yes, you can. But you know how you do that? It's through your actions. Actions are more like a helium balloon. If you have a, a helium balloon, you let it go. What does it do? It just goes up. There's no choice. It just goes up. And so always think of that. Words are like a brick. They have weight going down. Actions are like a helium balloon that are going up. And so if you want to influence your boss, you want to influence our government, you want to influence your parents or your teacher or whoever it is that you need to report to, you do it through your actions. Which leads me then to Peter and Paul both say, wives, submit to your husbands. All the guys are like, yeah! Well, slow down there, cowboy. I mean, <laughs> let me explain this a second. And, and women, you're going, oh, man, Peter and Paul, they are male chauvinistic pigs, man. You can't say that in 2022. We live in a different society now. But ladies, here's the thing. First of all, they weren't male chauvinistic pigs. But, ladies, let me ask you a question. Number one, do you trust God's word? Yes, okay, good. So this whole thing about submission, it's all part of God's plan, that things are going to work out better, it's true. But, but let, me, let me explain it to you this way. Ladies, stereotypically, do husbands listen very well? No, they don't. They don't. You know what guys are? We're not good listeners. What are we? We're very, we're very visual. Guys are very visual. What we see, and that's why ladies, you know, sometimes you're like, hey, my eyes are up here. You know, you know so it's just, you know, guys are, are very visual in all ways, including in how you act as a spouse. Remember, God, for whatever reason, he said, 
in the rank. And, and, and ladies, it doesn't mean that you have less value in life. It doesn't mean that God sees you as less in any way. It's just in the, the ranking system, like a, a general is above the private and, and a boss is above the employee. For whatever reason, God said husbands are above in the ranking system as far as what their function is, what, what their responsibilities are. The, the husband is above. But ladies, your words, they, they, they aren't going to go up very well. Because guys don't listen. But guys see. Guys see. Thanks, Jim. Uh, guys see what's going on. I can't tell you the number of times in 27 years now in marriage that it isn't Lisa's words that help to change me and make me a better husband, make me a better man, make me a better pastor and a follower of Jesus. It was by watching her, her example of what she does, that's what changed me. So she is influencing me. She is having a, a difference and making a difference in my life. But not necessarily through it. Now, that doesn't say that she just sits there and be quiet the whole time either, right? But she's come to understand that her actions are going to speak much louder than what her words do. All right, so now that I've offended all the ladies in the room, those of you online, let me offend the guys now, right? I'm an equal opportunity offender, okay? <laughs> guys, do you really think that God placed you above in the ranking system, your wife, for you to use that for your own selfish reasons? The answer is no. No, this isn't about you at all. Let me prove that to you. In First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 7, we read this. Husbands, respect your wife. Honor her in all that you do because while she may be physically weaker than you, and again, that's sort of stereotypical, but you know, she may be physically weaker than you, she is your equal partner in God's gracious gift of life. Do these things so that nothing will stand in the way of your prayers. Now, here's what's very, very interesting. That word respect where he said, Husbands, respect your wife. It's the exact same Greek word as submit. So essentially he's saying, husbands, submit to your wives. And I talk to couples in premarital counseling about this all the time. Make this a game of mutual submission, mutual sacrifice for one another. Try to outdo one another in submitting to each other. Now here's the deal, guys, because again, many of you, as soon as you hear, why submit to husbands, you're going, yeah! And I'm like, you big dummy. You don't understand all of what Peter and Paul write about here, do you? Because Paul then, he says, guys, not only do you need to submit, but you need to sacrifice for your wife in the exact same way that Christ sacrificed for the church. Now let me ask you a question. Those of you online, type it in. How did Jesus sacrifice for the church? He did what? He, he died. He died. So ladies, you actually have it easy. You only have to submit to your husband. As guys, we are supposed to die for our wives if it comes to that. So it's this mutual submission that you have. And then guys, you are to sacrifice for your wife. And Peter, he uses this word over and over and over again about submitting. We submit to our boss. We submit to our government. And Peter ends this, guys, by saying, do all this so that nothing will hinder your prayers. 
Guys, if there's something you've been praying about over and over and over again and it hasn't been happening, I would challenge you, go back and look at your own life. Are you honoring and respecting and cherishing your wife? Are you submitting to her? Are you sacrificing for her? If not, that's probably why your prayers aren't being answered. All right, number two. Submission liberates me. You're going, no, 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 Gilbert. Submission doesn't liberate people. Submission actually, I'm going to be restricted if I'm in submission to somebody. I'll prove that's wrong really, really simply. Who has more freedom? A three-year-old who has no adult supervision or a three-year-old who does have adult supervision? The answer is the one that has supervision. You're actually freer as a three-year-old because you have somebody that can sort of direct you. Now, you can't go there. So they, you are submitting to that, and they are restricted. But there's a bigger world that they're going to let you explore. Oh, yeah, you could go out and explore it yourself, but you're going to get hurt. It's the same way for us. We need to submit to God. We need to submit to the governing authorities. We need to submit to anybody that God has placed into a position of authority over us. Why? Because it actually frees us and it liberates us. And so Peter writes about this in chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. He says, you are free, but you are still God's servants. And you must not use your freedom as an excuse for doing wrong. Respect everyone. And love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Remember that word respect is submission. So submit to everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and submit to the king. When we have a reverent fear of God and we submit to him and we respect him and we respect those that he has put into positions of authority, even if it's somebody like a Nero, then you're living a more free life than if you're just out doing your own thing spiritually and politically and in your marriage. But you know what holds us back? What holds us back is pride. Because we want to do our own thing, right? We want our opinion to count. We want to do what we want to do at work. We want to do what we want to do in this country or in our marriage or in the household or whatever. But listen, pride is going to destroy your witness for Jesus quicker than anything else. It will lead you astray from God faster than anything else. Pride is the deadliest of all sins, and the antidote to pride is to submit. Submit to God and submit to others. Submission is God's gift to you for you to have this ability to submit to your leader, even if that leader is not godly. Number three, submission makes me more like Jesus and makes Jesus more liked by the world. Again, submission makes me more like Jesus and makes Jesus more liked by the world. Look at what Peter writes in chapter 2, verse 19. He says, It's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. Now that word commendable there in the Greek is the exact same word that we translate as grace and gift. So basically, what, what Peter's saying is, it is a gift when you, like, are unfairly treated. Some of you are going, can somebody else get that gift? I don't want that gift. Well, I didn't say, and Peter didn't say, that it was your gift. I just said that it was a gift. It's not a gift to you. You know who it's a gift for? It's a gift for the person that you're actually submitting to. Look at what Peter says then in, in chapter 2, verses 21 to 24. 
He says, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Jesus suffered on the cross. Why? Why did Jesus voluntarily submit to the will of God the Father? Why did he take that suffering? So that you and I could have the gift of eternal life. The gift of grace. The gift of our sins being forgiven. Jesus suffered so that we could be given the gift. And Peter writes here, he says, you are to become like Jesus. In the same way he suffered, you need to learn to suffer. And so what Peter is saying here is, look, even the ungodly authorities that are in your life, you still submit to them. Why? Because it is a gift that you're giving them. It's a gift of grace. And what it's going to do is hopefully it's going to soften their heart, not just towards you. And maybe they won't treat you as hostile anymore or use the language against you that they do anymore. But maybe it's going to soften their heart enough that they're actually going to become a follower of Jesus. Remember, that's what it's all about. Helping people to have the gift of eternal life. When you suffer for Jesus, you're helping others to experience that gift. You have a choice to make. You can either fight for your rights, you can fight for your opinion, your plan, your strategy, or you can fight against Satan so that we can help every single man, woman, boy, and girl on this planet receive the gift of eternal life. But the gospel is preached not just through our words. The gospel is preached through our actions. Words don't go up very easily. Actions do. So if you want to reach the unsaved that are above you in some way, have authority over you in some way, it's by submitting action that you're going to do that. And when we suffer for Jesus, we're not just becoming like Him. We're extending His grace, gift of grace to others. Number four, submission increases my influence. You're going, well, Gilbert, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, how is submitting going to increase my influence? Well, keep in mind, there's not a lot of sense, there not a lot that makes sense in the kingdom of God. Because Jesus, he came and he flipped everything upside down, didn't he? Jesus came and he said, hey, you want to have life? You got to lose your life. You, you want to be exalted? you got to humble yourself and become a servant to all. You want to get more? That means you actually have to give more. You want to be first? Okay, you actually got to become last. And so it's the same thing here. It's flipped upside down. That when you submit, it's actually going to increase your influence. So you're going, how do I get more influence? Is it more words? Is it more persuasive arguments? No, no, no. It's your actions, your submission. Let me ask you a question here. How did Joseph in the Old Testament become basically the second most powerful man in the whole world? How did he do that? He did it by submitting to Pharaoh, who wasn't a godly man, but he was God's man. How did 
David, King David. How did he become the, the greatest king of all of Israel? How did he do that? He did it by submitting to King Saul. Not a godly man, but he was God's man. How did Daniel rise to become the most powerful man basically in the whole world? By submitting to Nebuchadnezzar. Not a godly man, but he was God's man. I hope you're getting this. All authority that has been placed over you has been placed there by God. I don't care if they're godly or not. They've been placed there for a reason, for His plans. And even as we think about Jesus, Jesus submitted to Mary and Joseph as a child. Jesus, He, he submitted to the high priest. Jesus submitted to, to Pontius Pilate, who wasn't a, a godly man. But he was God's man. Peter writes this in 1 Peter 3.12, The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. What I hope you're hearing today is that you need to learn to do right by submitting to those who are in authority over you. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. For one month, just try it. For one month, submit to your boss, submit to your spouse, your teacher, your parents, your government. Just try it for one month. I'll wrap up with this. Peter is actually quoting King David in 1 Peter 3.10. He says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. So here's how that applies then to today's message. Three things I'm going to ask you to do over the next month. Number one, do not slander your leader. Don't slander your boss. Don't slander your parents. Don't slander the president. Don't slander anybody. Let every word that comes out of your mouth be useful for building up, not tearing down. Do not slander your leader. Number two, especially at work, I want you to do your job in such a way that it makes your boss look good. Not you look good. Do everything that you do at work in such a way that it makes your boss look good. And number three, help your boss to build the team, not your own alliance. See, many of you, what you do at work is you're building your little alliance with your people at the water cooler about how bad the boss is, and you're trying to just stir up dissension so that we can get that person kicked out. Well, what I want you to do for the next month is build the team. Help your boss build the team. Don't build your little alliance. And if you'll do that all for one month, don't slander any leaders. Make the others look good. Build the team. If you'll do that for a month, here's what I guarantee is going to happen. Not only is your life going to get better, but those who have opposed you, they're going to soften in their stance towards you. And they're not going to slander you anymore. And they're not going to speak ill will of you anymore. Their hostility is going to decrease. Even their hostility towards Christians. And who knows? Maybe, just maybe, it is your submission that one day somebody's going to go, you know what, I'm in heaven today because I had an employee or I had a spouse or, or I had a, a, a child or I had, you know, whoever. But they submitted to me. 
And I saw Jesus in them. And I wanted what they had. And it was that submission that led me to Christ. All right, now you can have your opinions. Message over. But ultimately, our submission is to God and to his word. And it's very, very clear. Peter and Paul both submit to the governing authorities because they have been placed there by God. And God's leader doesn't have to be a godly leader to be God's leader. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this tough truth that we've heard here today. I know this uh, isn't going to be one that probably a lot of people are going to want to share online or anything like that. Um, it, it's a tough pill to swallow when we hear that life isn't about us and it's not about our opinions and our ways, but it's about submitting to you and submitting to others. But Lord, help us to have our minds and our hearts transformed, have our minds renewed to see things in a new way. That, look, if, if I want to be a great minister of the gospel, if I want to be somebody that's not only a disciple myself, but somebody who's making disciples, a part of that isn't just me having the right words, but a part of that is me having the right actions. And then I need to submit to those that, God, you've placed over me. So, Lord, I pray that every single person here and every single person that's watching online, Lord, I pray that they would just try it for a month and they would see that, oh, my goodness, the freedom when, when we have people over us that, that we're listening to. And yeah, we may not always agree with it, but there's still freedom because, God, you're giving us that freedom. It's liberating us. So, Lord, I just pray that your spirit over this next month would continue to convict us and convince us of what is right. That as soon as we want to say something bad about the president or we want to say something bad about our boss or our parents or our teachers or as soon as we want to say something bad that your spirit would just convict us right then and there no 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 those words are not going to come out of my mouth as soon as we see something on on social media that we're like oh i'm going to share that because that's that's funny that's that's like making fun of people that we wouldn't do that that we ourselves wouldn't allow our fingers to type out words that would be disparaging towards others Lord, convict us and convince us of that which is right. Help us to be kind and respectful, honoring and, and cherishing of all. Because ultimately, we want to see every single man, woman, boy, and girl on this planet come in a relationship with you. That's going to come, again, not through our words, but through our actions. So help us to act in the ways that you have commanded us to do. Thank you, Jesus pray all this in your name. Amen. Hey, one little quick uh, thing as I was praying there. I did want to say to you ladies, remember submission to your husband does not apply if he's asking you to do something that's in contradiction to God's word. So if he's asking you to bring a third person into the marriage bed or he's asking you to do something illegal, immoral, unethical, anything like that, if you're in a dangerous situation, you don't have to submit to that either. All right, so I just want to throw that little uh, caveat in there. Uh, that, again, because that would be in direct contradiction to God's Word. All right, so with all that said, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed uh, today's message. It's a, a tough pill to uh, swallow, but again, it's so freeing uh, when we obey God's Word.